I don't often read a story during a homily, but this evening I'll make an exception because I think this is an exceptional story, an exceptional Christmas story. It was written by two French authors, and I should probably say at this Mass, since it is 10 o'clock at night, this is not meant to be a bedtime story. <laughs> so stay awake. The story goes like this. It was Bethlehem, the end of a long night. The star had just disappeared, and the last pilgrim had left the stable. The virgin arranged the straw. At last the child could sleep. But who can sleep the night of Christmas? Gently the door opens, so gently that it seems more like the wind was pushing it than a hand. A woman appears on the threshold, covered with rags. She was so old and wrinkled that you would have thought her mouth was one more deep wrinkle in a face the color of dirt. A fearful chill came over Mary when she saw her, as if a malicious fairy had come into the room. Fortunately, Jesus was asleep. The ass and the ox placidly continued munching their hay, as if nothing was unusual, as if they had known her forever. The virgin didn't take her eyes off of her. The woman walked slowly, each step seeming to take centuries. She continued the old woman and approached the manger. Thank God Jesus was still sleeping. But how can one sleep on Christmas night? Suddenly he opened his eyelids. His mother was completely astonished to see that the eyes of the old woman and his eyes were exactly the same. They both shone with the same hope. The old woman then sank down on the straw. One hand disappeared into her rags, looking for something, taking ages to find it. Mary watched her closely, still concerned. The animals watched her too, but always without surprise, as if they knew beforehand what was going to happen. Finally, after a long time, slowly, tiredly, the old woman pulls out of her clothes a little object hidden in her hand, and she gives it to the child. After all the treasures of the wise men and the offerings of the shepherds, what could this present be? From where she was, Mary could not tell. She saw only the shoulders bowed down, the woman's back bent over from age, now bent over even more before the crib and the child within it. The ox and the ass watched and were not amazed. The woman stayed bowed before the child a long time. Finally, she arose, as if relieved from a great weight that had dragged her to the ground. Her shoulders were no longer bowed down. Her head almost touched the low roof. Her face seemed miraculously renewed, as if she was finding once more the vigor of her youth. She turned from the crib, smiled at Mary, and went out through the door into the dawning day. Finally, Mary could see the mysterious present. An apple. A little apple, having within it all the sin of the world, 
given to the baby Jesus by Eve. For it was her, the old woman, who had come to worship the child born of her blood, who would save her from her sins. The apple of the original sin, and the sin of so many who would follow her, and the little red apple shone in the hands of the child as if it were the globe of the kingdom and of the new world which had just been born with the king. My brothers and sisters, if you understand that story, then you understand Christmas. At the beginning of human history, Eve thought that eating an apple would make her like God. Or at least that's what the devil had told her. You think that was far-fetched? We all believe a lot of lies of Satan, just as far-fetched. And it was a lie. In reality, Eve's sin ruined everything in her life. Sin always does. It ruined her relationship first with her husband. They were never again a quote-unquote happily married couple in the same sense that they had been before the fall. And we all suffer the consequences of Eve's sin. You wonder why your spouse gets on your nerves? It all goes back to the garden and that sin. That sin of Eve led to tragedy in her family. One of her sons killed another one of her sons. That sin of Eve brought her pain. Emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain, and it eventually led to her death, her physical death. And even though I'm sure she was sorry for what she had done, she was forced to hold on to that apple in a certain sense from the moment she bit into it. She was forced to hold on to it for the rest of her earthly life and to take it with her when she died. That's why in the story she still had it. Nobody had the power to take it away because everybody else, including her husband Adam, had an apple of their own to deal with. Only the baby in that manger had the power to take it away. And Eve knew it. That's why she was there. And why was that the case? Very simply because only the baby in that manger had the ability to atone for a sin that was infinitely offensive to an infinitely holy God. You couldn't do that kind of thing. I couldn't do that kind of thing. Eve couldn't do that kind of thing. No human being could. He had that ability, that baby did, because he was God. And as such, his actions had infinite power and value, which our actions do not. You see, Eve's sin and Adam's, takes two to tango, took two to tango in the garden as well, that sin placed an incredibly huge gap between God and humanity. And that was a gap that was larger, believe it or not, than the distance from one end of our universe to the other. Huge. Only somebody who was both God and man could bridge a spiritual gap of that size. 
He could bridge it by performing an act of atonement for all of our infinitely offensive sins. Since he was God and without sin, his act would be infinitely meritorious. And since he was man as well, he could represent us before the Father and win God's forgiveness for every sin, for every sinner who truly repented, like Eve in that story. And that's precisely what that little baby did 33 years later on the cross of Calvary. He made atonement for Eve's sin, for yours, for mine, for every sin. And that's why it says in the book of Acts, chapter 4, that there is no salvation in anyone else but Jesus Christ. I meet a lot of Christians who dabble into all kinds of other religions and other spiritual things. They need to know there is no salvation in anyone but Jesus Christ. There is no other name, as Acts 4 says, in the whole world given to men by which we are to be saved. Every single one of us in this church tonight is like Eve in that story. Whether we realize it or not, whether we want to admit it or not. That is to say, every single one of us has an apple of our own. And you know what? If we say we don't, we probably have got a big one. A real big one. What's that apple? Very simply, that apple is a symbol. It's a symbol of our pride, of our anger, of our gluttony, of our lust, of our sloth, of our greed, of our envy. It's a symbol of all those things, of those sins that we think are going to make us happy in this life, but never ever do. And we've all been down that road, and we all go down that road constantly. That's why they call it temptation, because it looks good, at least for a while. But it always comes back to bite us. That apple is a symbol of all those earthly realities that can keep us from getting into heaven, which is our true home. We're not made for earth. Ultimately, we are made for better things, thank God, for heaven. There's a beautiful line in that story which says that after Eve gave her apple to the baby Jesus, she rose, and here I quote, relieved as if from a great weight that had dragged her to the ground. Then it describes her as she walked out the door. It says, her shoulders were no longer bowed down, her head almost touched the low roof. Her face seemed miraculously renewed as if she was finding once more the vigor of her youth, the vigor of her life before the fall. Like Eve in that story, each of us must freely choose to give our apple to Jesus Christ. In other words, we must freely choose to repent of our sins. Please hear that. Jesus Christ will not force us. He will not grab the apple out of our hands. He wants to lift the burden of guilt from our backs, like he lifted the burden of guilt off of Eve's back. But that will only happen if we follow the example that Eve gives us in this story. Like her, we have to bow down 
to that baby in the manger in humility, admitting we're sinners, admitting we're not perfect, with contrition in our hearts, and we have to willingly place that apple of our sin into his hands. And you know what? We have to do that often, all of us, because we sin often. I don't know about you, but I like to go to confession at least once every two weeks. Tomorrow, I'm going to Father Mike Sisko's for Christmas dinner, as I usually do. And I'm really glad because he's a priest. And before the day's out, I'm going to ask him to hear my confession. Because you see, I can identify with Eve here when she walks out that door feeling so much better. That's why I love confession. She feels better about herself, better about the future, better about her prospects for eternity. That's how I feel after I go to confession. That's how every Catholic should feel. Let me conclude my homily tonight by saying, first of all, that I am not naive. I'm old, getting older, but I am not naive. I realize that some people in this church right now probably like their apples. <laughs> A lot. Even though those apples ultimately make them miserable. All of us can have moments when we foolishly cling to our sins. I know that by experience. If that's where you're at right now, if you're really not interested in letting your apple go, if you're really not interested in letting Jesus Christ more completely into your life, then feel free to disregard what I'm about to say. Don't go to sleep again. But you can disregard what I'm about to say. For the rest of you, I have a suggestion. Very simple suggestion. I invite you to do this when you get home tonight, or at least within the next couple of days. Take an apple, nice red one like this, or a green one, really, color really doesn't matter, and place it next to the baby Jesus in the manger scene that you have in your house. Hopefully you all have a manger scene somewhere on display in your home. Every Christian home should. And let each member of your family do the same thing. If you're part of a large family, you might want to put all the apples in a big bowl. You might even want to write your names on your apples. It's not required, just a suggestion. But please, don't just put your apple down quickly and then walk away. Place it near the baby Jesus with reverence, like Eve did in that story. And then pause to say a quiet prayer to the Lord. Nobody else needs to hear it. That's between you and Jesus. That's a special time. At least it should be. That should be a special time for you to thank Jesus Christ for coming to this earth to save you from your sins. It's a time to invite him more fully into your heart, into your life. It's a time to ask for his forgiveness. And it's also a time to promise him that you will get to confession in the near future, especially if you haven't been in a long time. 
to receive that great gift of his forgiveness sacramentally. And then leave your apple there. Leave all the apples there. Keep them by the manger throughout the Christmas season. Now, that needs a little explaining. See, the world teaches you that the Christmas season goes from, well, now it goes from July. It used to go from Thanksgiving. Now it goes from July until December 25th. That is totally wrong. The Christmas season starts today. And it goes on for a couple of weeks. So keep your apples near your manger throughout the Christmas season. Leaving them there will first of all help you to keep your focus on the real meaning of the Lord's birth. And it will also give you a great opportunity to evangelize other people. You see, I am sure that if you do this, a number of people will come into your home in the next week or so. They'll take a look at your manger scene and they'll say to you, uh, excuse me, if you don't mind me asking you, um, what is that apple? What are those apples doing next to the baby Jesus in the manger? Then you can tell them. You can tell them why Jesus Christ came to earth 2,000 years ago. You can tell them what Christmas and what Easter are really all about. And best of all, my brothers and sisters, you can tell them the really, really great news about how they can get rid of their apples.